Welcome back to the Beef Up Front Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Coyle. Join alongside Joe Kometz tonight as we head into our college football playoff as well as our New Year's Six Bowls uh, preview. So, big show on tap. Took a few weeks off from college football. Um, as, as you probably know, if you're listening to this show, a lot of bowl games have been canceled. A lot of college basketball games have been canceled because of COVID. So, hopefully, uh, these six games are, are all still on tap, it, at least the playoff, uh, if the playoff gets canceled there. They said if teams unable to play, it's going to be a forfeit. So definitely got to hope uh, people out there are staying healthy, not testing positive, um, and we're able to get these six games in, and then eventually we'll just have our one last preview for the uh, national title game. So uh, second to last show of the college football season. Welcome back, Joan. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Ryan. You know, uh, I'm chilling right now. Um, I can't believe I called you Ryan again. That's weird. I've been doing that more and more as the semester's gone on. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. You know, it sucks with all these bowl games, you know, getting canceled. I think we're up to four games, three that are definitely been canceled. You know, the Arizona Bowl might get canceled with Boise State getting COVID, but it's looking like Central Michigan will play Washington State most likely in the Sun Bowl. So at least they'll still get a bowl game out of it. Um but, I mean, it's crazy, you know, with all this stuff. I, I think the NCAA is going to do everything in their power to, even if they have to make up that people don't have COVID, to get the New Year's Six, especially the playoffs. Because imagine Bama fans, if they have to forfeit to Cincinnati, like, the world would explode. Like, it'd be, it'd be the World War Three. Yeah, let's hope uh, we don't get to that point. Recorded on Monday, the 27th. So, our first game is up till the 30th. Uh, we got the 30th, 31st. Uh, and then the first. So uh, we'll start off with the Peach Bowl on the 30th, though. That's number 10, Michigan State, who's 10 and 2, versus number 12, Pitt, who's 11 and 2, the ACC champ. Michigan State's a two and a half point favorite. The big storyline in this game, sadly, Kenny Pickett not playing for Pitt, opted out for the draft, and Kenneth Walker for Michigan State. So the t- top two guys, but still two very good teams from this past season. I think it still should be a pretty good game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very good game as well. I mean, at first I was kind of like, damn, you know, this sucks. You know, two guys. I think um, Kenneth Walker finished five or six for the Heisman voting. Um, he didn't make it, you know, to New York. But still, he's one of the best players in college football. You know, um, Kenny Pickett was fantastic as well. Uh, at first I was like, oh, this game's going to be a blowout. Because at first uh, Walker opted out. But then I think Pickett was playing for another day or two. Then he opted out. That almost makes this game even more interesting to me. Because it's like, all right, now we get to see what these teams are really made of without their two guys. Uh, personally, I have Michigan State winning this game 30-28. to 28. I think Sparty is better without Walker rather than Pitt, like without Kenny Pickett. You know what I'm trying to say? Does that make sense or no? Yeah, that's kind of my rationale with this game as well. Okay, yeah, that's how I think of it. So, you know, like, it really sucks to Zach, you know, we're not going to have these two. But Sparty's pat one thing to look out for though, Sparty's pass defense is dead last in the country, or they're definitely bottom five. They were dead last when they played Ohio State, and you saw what happened there. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what the backup for Pitt's got, but I still think Sparty is a slightly better team. Yeah, I'm not sure who the Pitt backup is, um, or like how old he is, but this is a very big game for him because Keaton Slovis from USC, the highly Touted quarterback going into this year, a lot of people thought he could have been a first-round draft pick. Now he's actually transferring to Pitt, so I think it's a, a good game for this backup for Pitt. 
not sure who he is, but an opportunity for him to prove it, that he has the, what it's worth to be their starter, starting quarterback going into to spring ball. Because uh, if he has a, a poor show in here, they might just give start giving Slovis those first-team reps. So a big game for him, but not really sure what to make of this game. So my rationale is kind of like what you were saying. Uh, I think the loss of Pickett is greater than the loss of Walker, even though how good Walker was all year. I think Michigan State wins this one. Lower scoring, though, 23-20. Not really sure what to make of this game, though. We're missing the two biggest stars. Um, I think the drop-off is much steeper, though, without picking a quarterback. Michigan State was a run-heavy team all year, but they were able to play back. Pitts passing offense contributed for about 70% of their total yards each game. So, um, so such reliant on Pickett, and he had that great year, really elevated himself from, like, a mid-round draft pick to probably now he's probably the favorite to go uh, be the first quarterback off the board. So. Jordan Simmons, the backup running back I was looking up for Michigan State, ran for 255 yards this year, posting about 4.7 yards per carry. So he should be able to hold it down uh, with a solid amount of carries for this one. I just think the loss of Pickett's going to be too much for um, Pitt to overcome in this one. I, I like a low-scoring game, 23-20 Michigan State. Now we go to December 31st, New Year's Eve, our first college football playoff game. And this is the set first semifinal game for the Cotton Bowl. Um, that's number four, Cincinnati, their first time in at 13-0 versus number one, Bama, who is 12-1. Bama is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, 330 kickoff on ESPN. Uh, as much as I want, I'll, I'm going to be rooting for Cincinnati. You know, as much as I want to see them pull the upset, I have Bama winning this game 35-14. to 14. I, I just think they have, they're too talented. They reload at every position. But, like, the one thing I'm really excited to see is how – Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner do against the Alabama receiving core with Mechie being out for the game. I'm interested to see what they do, you know, cause with, with Mechie being out and, you know, Sauce Gardner or Kobe Bryant being able to go one-on-one -on -one with Jamison Williams, the whole game, I do think it will be interesting to see what Bama does. You know what I mean? Like part of me is wondering like, did Bama play their best game of the season against, you know, uh, Georgia in the SEC title game? Cause this is a Bama team at the end of the day, who almost lost to Florida, who struggled to put away LSU, who is who lost to AM, like who has shown that they have a lot of weaknesses. So if they play a little bit more like that, Cincinnati is capable of pulling the upset. But it's going to be one of those Cincinnati needs to play a near perfect game if they want to come close. Mm -hmm. Since he's got a lot of talented guys, they're going to have a bunch of guys going in the draft this year. But Bam is just a different animal. We know that. I think they covered this one, 38-21. Uh, I have them winning. Since they got what they wanted, but credit to them. They ran the table. Now they get the chance to prove it. Uh, their biggest game, definitely in school history. Staring them in the face, though, is probably the number one pick in the 2023 draft in Bryce Young and the assortment of weapons he's got on offense. As you touched on, Joe, no Mechie, so that's a big loss, but still Jamison Williams, and I'm sure they got a few young guys that we'll be hearing about over these next few years who will prove to be first-rounders that have just been behind Mechie this past year. I think this is a better matchup for Cincy than if they play Georgia just because they don't have the offensive talent to go against that Georgia defense. I think Cincy's going to keep it close throughout the game just because of their style of play. They aren't super relying on big, explosive plays, more so uh, a methodical kind of pro team that is just runs like a pro system, moving the ball down the field, keeping Bama's offense off the field. Bama is only allowing 82.5 rushing yards per game, though. I think that's good enough for third in the country. So since he isn't able to run the ball, they could be in for a long day. I see this as a 10-point game throughout, but 
with a late Alabama touchdown to cover. Uh, our next semifinal matchup, we have the Orange Bowl with number three, Georgia at 12-1 and one versus number two, Michigan at 12-1. and one. Georgia an eight-point favorite. It's a 7.30 kickoff on New Year's Eve as well on ESPN. Uh, I'm very excited for this game. Uh, it's going to be a great defensive slugfest. Um, I can't wait. Honest, on paper, this might be the most even playoff game that I can remember, maybe besides the uh, Oklahoma-Georgia game from a few years ago that went to uh, double overtime. But, I mean, I'm really excited for this game. This is going to be a very entertaining game. Uh, I can't wait to see Aiden Hutchinson go up against probably the best O-line he's played this season in Georgia. I believe it's going to neutralize him. Michigan's offense also hasn't seen a defense like Georgia. The only thing is the great equalizer is if Stetson Bennett's playing for Georgia, they will be – like Michigan can't, will stay in this game because Michigan's defense is very good as well. I think that's actually going to be the reason why this game is close because I don't think Stetson Bennett can win a national title with Georgia. Georgia's my national title pick, but I hope the Michigan Wolverines and Nate Kreitzer prove me wrong. Um, I think this is going to be a carbon copy of – Georgia Clemson to open up the season where Georgia only won 10 to three, but they were kind of in control throughout the game. I feel like we're going to get some of that here where it's going to feel like Michigan can get back in it at any moment, but they're not going to be able to take that step to um, come out on top. Yeah. I like Georgia to win as well. Um, I actually have them covering, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it close. Like you said, the way that these two teams play football, very, very similar. So, I think they'll, they'll be well-prepared. It's not like they're going to get hit in the face with something that they haven't seen. They've seen see this type of stuff every day in practice. Um, but at the end of the day, like Georgia, 27, Michigan, 17. I think you and I both actually had Cincy running the table and making the playoff this year. Uh, but we both gave no shots at Michigan. I think I had them at 7-5. and five, So props to Harbaugh for flipping the narrative on him and putting his team in the playoff. Very interested to see, though, how Georgia bounces back after being the best team all year. Uh, and then they just absolutely got taken apart by Bama. Will we see JT Daniels? I think if Bennett starts, like you were talking about, Joe, and winds up struggling, Kirby Smart could pull the Nick Saban move with benching Jalen Hurts and put it in Tua. Uh, just see if that provides more of a spark and more of a passing game for that offense. Two strong defenses, though, like you were talking about, Joe, a combined between these two teams, 12.8 points per game. Uh, it, it's pretty insane. Um, this year, the key to Michigan offense this year has been Haskins out of the backfield. He has almost 1,300 rushing yards and has 20 rushing touchdowns. But Georgia allowing only 81 yards a game right there with Bama for third in the country. So the best defense that Michigan played all year was probably Penn State. And they only scored 21 against them. And this Georgia defense, I think, is a lot better. So I think at the end of the day, that defense is just going to be too much. And they, Michigan doesn't have the offensive weapons and the quarterback uh, that Alabama did that, that gave them all the problems. So give me the dogs by 10 uh, and another cover. So I like both favorites to cover. Uh, then we go to New Year's Day with the Fiesta Bowl. We got number nine, Oklahoma State at 11 and two versus number five, Notre Dame, who's 11 and one. Notre Dame, a two point favorite. That's uh, so a one o'clock kickoff on ESPN. And this is uh, the first game for new Notre Dame head coach, Marcus Freeman. Now, obviously, I've been saying this a lot about Notre Dame. I'm biased. So I'm picking Notre Dame win 38 27. Um, this is a perfect way to start out the new year, wake up, slither out onto the couch hungover, and just sit and watch uh, my Irish play. I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm excited to see what Marcus Freeman's got. I think Oklahoma State's kind of a sitting duck, kind of a dead duck here, you know, losing by literally – they were literally an inch away from the college football playoff because I think if they beat Baylor, they the committee would have screwed Cincinnati and put Oklahoma State in. So – 
I mean, they were literally an inch away from the playoff. They're, they feel like they're kind of deflated. They've just been sitting around for a month. You know, it feels like, you know, Oklahoma State fans are talking like, well, if, it's, does, if it didn't happen this year with Gundy, is it ever going to happen? You know, this, was, this is probably one of his best teams yet. Um, I, I just don't think they have enough to beat Notre Dame. You know, I know um, we have some opt-outs. You know, Kyle Hampton's not playing. Uh, Kyron Williams not playing. That kind of sucks. But, I mean, I think Sanders is not the best quarterback for Oklahoma State. I think this Notre Dame defense is disciplined. They're tough. At the end of the day, we did go 11-1. and one. I know we didn't have the toughest of schedules, but we still beat, you know, a ton of Power 5 teams. We hung tough with Cincinnati, who's a playoff team. I mean, Notre Dame, though, hasn't won a BCS or New Year's Six Bowl game since, like, the term BCS was invented. So, I mean, that's really weird. I don't think we've won a major bowl game since, like, the early 90s, late 80s. So, um, I really hope that, you know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame can turn it around here. Um, this would be a huge, a huge momentum boost for the 2022-2023 season if Notre Dame pulls this win out. It would give a ton of momentum, too, for Marcus Freeman going forward as well. Yeah, I like Notre Dame as well, 28-24. Uh, I like where you were saying kind of Oklahoma State had had a great chance to go to the playoff, kind of fell apart and choked again. And then you look at, at the other the other side with, with Notre Dame, I think nothing would be better for a new head coach to get his in his first game. This is probably one of the first times this will ever happen in New Year's Six Bowl, your first head coaching job. Um, I think Marcus Freeman – He's going to have his guys ready to go and really wants to, you know, set the tempo uh, and, and get things off on the right foot there at Notre Dame. So I like them 28-24. Um, the first game of the Marcus Freeman era, definitely trying to get off on the right foot. But like you said, without two of their best players, it's going to be hard. Kyle Hamilton has been out for a little bit, though, with that injury. But he's already declared for the draft. Williams for the draft. So uh, Chris Ty- Tyree and Logan Diggs are pretty solid backs from, from what I've seen from Notre Dame this year. They're going to be able to share the workload in this one. Battle of very two very good defenses. I could see this one being the first one to 28 wins. Um, I think this is going to be a more defensive battle than you have. I have Notre Dame get into that 28 first, 28-24. Sanders for Oklahoma State has been uh, a pretty solid quarterback this year, but he make, he's got 12 interceptions and can make some dumb plays. I think a late turnover is what cost the Cowboys uh, the win here. So Marcus Freeman does get, does get started off on the right foot after replacing Brian Kelly uh, and gets that first big bowl win for Notre Dame in a while, like you were talking about. Now we go to the Rose Bowl, where we have number 11, Utah, who is 10-3, and three, versus number 6, Ohio State, who is 10-2. and two. Ohio State's a 5.5-point favorite. This is a 5 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Uh, I didn't run a lot for this game, I won't lie. Um, I do feel like this is Utah's Super Bowl. I feel like their defense will be ready to contain whatever's left of the Buckeyes. You know, a couple receivers opting out. You know, a lot of they opted out. Um, now we're really going to see what C.J. Stroud's capable of. I mean, we're going to see if he was a product of his receivers or his receivers were a product of, you know, his talent, as which is, you know, very exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Nothing beats the Rose Bowl. Um, that's kind of, you know, I don't really got a lot to say in this game. I think Utah's going to win 30-27. to 27. I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're going to be able to pull off the upset. Um, Utah's one of those teams that always, like, is sitting there with two or three losses, but, like, they're never dead. Even now, like, they won the Pac-12 this year. They smoked Oregon, and I think that was one of the big reasons why Crystal Ball, you know, they kind of were the reason why Crystal Ball left town. I feel like if Oregon was in the playoff this year, he would have stayed, but that wasn't the case. So uh, give me the Utes by three. Yeah, I've been very impressed by Utah over their last few games. They're a team where being on the Pac-12 
uh, in the Pac-12 out on the West Coast. You don't really get to watch much, but they had those two games at like a pretty normal time against Oregon and watched both of them, and they just got – Oregon got absolutely destroyed. Very impressed. But I'm going to go with Ohio State 35, Utah 28. Um, I feel like like you're saying with their with the, being their Super Bowl, this is just a game that means a lot more to them. Uh, obviously, Ohio State would be nice to get a Rose Bowl, but they're used to being in the playoff. This is their first first year in a few years that they're not in it. Uh, Olave opted out. I'm pretty sure Garrett Wilson is still playing as of now, but the Buckeyes still have plenty of talent in that wide receiver room. A bunch of five star guys, including Marvin Harrison's son. I expect him to get uh, a lot more snaps on this one. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, I believe, is his last name. He was a guy who, watching Ohio State this year, really impressed me. Uh, shifty little slot receiver. He's going to get plenty of targets in this one. Um, I thought this was going to be more of like a three-point spread, and I might have leaned Utah, but Ohio State opened up as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Now they're five-and-a-half. I just think Vegas is pretty confident in, in the Buckeyes in this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out here and lay an egg, and Utah gives it everything they have. But I think the spread offense is just going to be too much uh, for Utah to contain. They haven't seen anything like this all year. So give me Ohio State 35, Utah 28. Uh, in our last game to wrap up our preview on New Year's Day, we have we got Ole Miss versus Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, this is number seven, Baylor at 11 and two. Ole Miss is number eight at 10 and two. Ole Miss a one and a half point favorite. 845 kickoff on ESPN to wrap up your New Year's Day. Uh, I think Ole Miss going to win this game 42 to 38. Crowell, uh, he's going to ball out. It's final game for the Rebels. I mean, you know, he's loved this school. You know, he said that, too, after they beat Mississippi State. Yeah, that interview. Um, you know, he, and this is – he gets the the prime time, 8 o'clock spot. It's the last game before the natty, you know, besides the crappy Texas Bowl between LSU and Kansas State. And I feel like that game's going to get canceled due to COVID. Because it's just sitting there, like, three-day – it's like January 4th. It's like a Tuesday night. Uh, it's sitting in a weird spot right in the middle of those two games. Um, I think that game's going to get canceled. That's besides the point. Um, Ole Miss, I think their offense is better, a little bit better than Baylor's defense. Um, Coyle, do you know if Bohannon's playing in this game or not? It, I looked it up a little bit earlier. It said he is expected to return, uh, and their other quarterback is a shoulder injury. So, uh, oh, like- that's inter- I mean, that's interesting. I was I did this score based off of Bohannon wasn't playing, but I did this score a couple days ago. I'm still going to stick with my prediction, but, I mean, this is going to definitely make the game – a lot more entertaining, and it's definitely something to keep an eye on because if Bohannon's not 100% and their backup QB is hurt, all of a sudden Baylor's playing with their third stringer in the you know, in the bowl game. Um, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, I just think Ole Miss, you know, I've already said it. I'm going to say it one more time, like, you know, reiterate it. I think their offense is better than Baylor's defense. Um, I, and, you know, at the end of the day, playing in the SEC matters. And, you know, you, get, you go up against Bama, you know what I mean? I think you're ready for Baylor. I think that's going to be the big difference here. Yeah, kind of conflicting styles. You got the Ole Miss high-flying offense and Baylor more of a a defensive team. So kind of whatever unit's better out of those two, I think is going to come out on top. And I'm with you. I like the Ole Miss offense. I got them winning 41-35. The main thing I was looking for this game, I thought Corral would potentially opt out. But like you said, loves his school. I think he wants to go out on top. And this is a a good test for him. If if he is able to light it up against Baylor, I think that'll maybe even help his draft stock a little bit. I think at the end of the day, it's going around probably past five, probably somewhere between five and ten to be the first quarterback off the board. But a strong game here could elevate his draft stock, especially with Pickett uh, being out. 
Baylor is prepared, though, for the spread offense. They, they've seen this all year from teams like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Uh, and Dave Aranda has, a, a, has had a great year, too, at Baylor. Would not be surprised at all to see them win the Big 12 life next year. As we touched on, Bohannon expected to return. So um, a, a good dynamic quarterback battle between the two of these teams. But I'm going to give the edge to Corral on what is likely his last college game ever. Uh, but that'll do it for our college football playoff and our New Year's Six Bowl preview. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Any last second comments, Joseph? Uh, no, everyone stay safe. Have a happy new year. Well, one more college football show, and then uh, we're all in on college basketball. Here we go. Yep. All right. Sounds good. We will talk soon.